So how do you live with, I know that I can make it, I know that I can take it, instead of being a perennial baby and a victim? Because that's very strong uh, psychology. Freudian psychology has invaded not just our culture, but churches, Christian counseling, preaching. Everybody's a victim, and they just keep coming every Sunday to be, oh, you poor thing. But how do you mature? How do you get strong so you can help others? If you're sinking yourself, how are you going to help someone who's sinking? So you've got to get on top of things. How many want to be spiritually on top of things? Say aloud, amen. amen. Okay. The Bible tells us some truth about that. And it's found especially in the, uh, in the life of the Apostle Paul. In fact, most people think that after Jesus died, resur- after died on the cross, resurrected, and you start reading the book of Acts, once Saul of Tarsus gets converted, persecutor of the church, once he gets converted, the whole New Testament, book of Acts, takes a turn. Where's Peter, James, John, Thomas? Hardly mentions them. Thomas, we know nothing about except tradition that he ended up in India. But Paul, Saul who became Paul, Paul's missionary journeys, Paul's triumphs spiritually, Paul's difficulties, Paul's starting new churches, Paul's writings which become our New Testament for the most part. I want you to notice how he looked at this and what we can learn from it. I want to, I'm preaching to myself, you can listen, but this is for me. And I trust for you. So in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says, Therefore, to the church there that he started, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Discouraged, we don't get afraid, we don't quit. Christianity is not for quitters. Did Jesus quit in Gethsemane? Did he quit on the cross? Or did he go all the way through for us? He went all the way through. Amen. So it is very unseemly, and it is not appropriate for us to quit on him. He saved you if you're a Christian. He's called you and I to live for him and do something for him. But you can if you quit. Why would you quit? Discouragement, distractions, pressures, attacks of the enemy. This is all spiritual warfare. Paul was involved in it, but he said, I just want you to know, since God was merciful to me, I was persecuting the church. So Paul was saying, no, I'm, I'm not, I, don't, I don't lose heart. I don't quit. And the, the strange thing about this is that phrase, that Greek word for don't lose heart, it's not a word like, oh, povecito, you poor thing, and all that. It's a word of almost criminal intent. In other words, I don't quit and fail God. I don't disobey his calling. It has a moral tone to it. Not, oh, you know what I've been through, but rather, no, I'm not, I'm not quitting on God. No, I'm not, because if I did, that would be a sin. He didn't quit on me. How could I quit on him? I'm going to live this out. I know, but the culture is against us. So? He ended up on a cross. None of us have yet been on a, on a cross with nails in our hands. So Paul takes it like, no, I'm going to obey God all the way. I don't lose heart. I don't quit. I'm not one of those people that just quits. And you can go through the motion, but secretly have quit. You go to church, but you don't quit. When I played basketball in college, I was a point guard, captain, played an NCAA tournament. And it was my job, even though the coach was on the sideline, as the point guard calling the plays, handling the ball, had some great talent playing around me. 
sometimes when the game gets tough or you get behind, some of the guys quit. They're going through the motions. They're playing. They have the uniform on, and they're standing, defending, but they're not killing themselves for it. And to win, you have to kill yourself for it. It was my job sometimes to go up to them, big as they were, 6'8", 6'9", and get in their face and confront them and go, hey, what's wrong with you? Are you going to play? If you don't want to play, get on the bench. But we got to play together. we got to work together. We're on a team. Let's put everything into it or not play at all. Sometimes they listened. Sometimes they got mad and said a few words that are not found in the Bible to me. That, and just like, get out of here before I swat you. But I went back down. Come on, let's do this. That's the way Paul was. And what's odd about Paul compared to us is some of the stuff that he went through. In this same letter later on, we call 2 Corinthians, he talks about the beatings he took, that he was cast into the open sea. He was in prison. He got flogged. And they had a thing back then in the Roman Empire when a person was flogged, scourged, flogged, You could only do it on their back with the whip, which had pieces of metal in it or lead, and you would open up these wounds. You only were allowed to hit them 39 times. And he says, I took 39 twice, 39 lashes twice. For what? Because he was a Christian. He kept propagating the gospel. Roman government didn't want to hear about it. What do you mean you're not going to bow to Caesar? We're in a culture where you bow to Caesar. Who is this Jesus? Get out of here. So he would pay the price for that sometimes. The religious establishment, Jewish religious establishment, would always stir up trouble. In fact, they would travel from one city to another city just to make trouble for him. He was under the gun. And yet, he describes it. Look, in 2 Corinthians 4, same chapter. But we have this treasure, this gift of God, this new life in jars of clay, our human body. To show, as we keep living for Christ, to show that this all-surpassing power that keeps us going is from God and not from us. Don't worship Paul. Don't pray to Paul. Don't pray to Mary. Don't pray to anybody but God through Jesus Christ. And he's saying that anything I do, it's not from me. This, This vessel is made of clay. I know it because I get beat up. I'm getting older. The travels hurt me. I know what it is to abound. I know what it is to be poor. This is Christianity. So he says the the glory has to go to God. And then he describes his life in general terms. We, the apostles with him and him, we are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. And the word hard-pressed means in the Greek the squeezing of the grapes to get the wine. We're squeezed. We are squeezed. But we're not totally crushed. We keep going. Then he says, we're perplexed, but not in despair. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know what city they're going to pounce on us. Just think of how we live and what we complain about and what I'm talking about. So we're perplexed. We don't know. So when you get a spot in life and you don't know what the next step is and what God is doing, don't panic. He said, I, we're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We don't get depressed and quit. So things are a little bit sideways. So we're serving Jesus. We're going to go home soon. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. They might chase us, and we're alone, but we're not alone because he's with us. And we're struck down, but not destroyed. One translation has, we're knocked down, but we're not knocked out because we keep getting up. Praise God. 
See, that view of Christianity from 2 Corinthians 4, a little bit different than going to church on Sunday. Would you agree with that? No, the American concept, what you and I grew up around, you know, where it's a big thing. Hey, I go to church. I go, I go to the tab on Sundays. Well, isn't that wonderful? A little bit something more in life to that than going to church on Sunday. And the Lord's trying to help us to get out of that into something deeper. So he went through all of that, and he says, yet I never lose heart. <laughs> what kind of guy are you? What are you, Superman? You go through all of that, but you still got the victory. You have joy. You keep pressing on. What's the secret? How do you do that? Well, he says, going back to the beginning, therefore, since God's, through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. This is back where we started. Verse 2, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor we distort the word of God. Let's stay there for a second. Notice what he says, we don't lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. If you and I want to keep going, if we want to be strong in the Lord, if we want to finish the race and not begin it, we have to daily renounce everything shameful and secret. Every sin that we allow in and think we can cover it up by having it secret is going to end up biting us in the behind. It's going to sap our strength. Satan is going to find a place in us. The Bible says don't, to Christians, don't give place to Satan. So anything that you have to hide, any email, any text, any secret conversation, any, anything, any relationship, anything you watch, anything we end up doing, anything that ends up being secret and we think, well, I'm going to serve God, but this is, no one's going to know. Listen, God is watching every second. The first thing you have to learn if you're going to serve the Lord is there are no secrets. From people, yes. Although be sure your sins will find you out. But from God, for sure, no secrets. So to stay strong, you have to stay pure. Perfect? No. If we sin, we confess our sins. And he's faithful and just to forgive us. The bad thing that will help us on the wrong road and we won't make it is because we won't finish the race if we're holding on to stuff that is secret and shameful. I know, but pastor, you know, every, no, it's not everyone. We're talking about what God is saying to us. If you can't talk about it and and announce it from here, then it's secret and shameful. Paul says, we don't permit by the grace of God, by his strength, we don't permit any of that. And if we get trapped in it, we confess it and get back in the light. John says it this way. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So I know it gets quiet because you're not used to hearing direct language by that. Because most, unfortunately, a lot of preachers, especially on television, just want to tell you, poor soul, God loves you. It doesn't matter how you live. Don't let people bring you into bondage and judge you. You don't come to church to be judged. We hate, you know, we don't like hate speech. Hate speech being that you and I could be wrong in the way we live. But that's not hate speech. That's love speech. Jesus said to the woman who made it, go and sin no more. Remember? Go and sin no more. So Paul is saying the way I stay strong is because, partly because God has helped me to renounce every secret and shameful thing. And then for preachers that might be watching and for me, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. The word, therefore, deception is we're not clever 
we don't have a separate agenda. We're not running a game on people. He said, no, 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 that I don't do. By the grace of God, I'm preaching the word of God not to gain money or fame or what, what does that matter? What's fame? People who like you, but they could turn on you in a second. How many have found that? People who like you, they could turn in a second. No, in a second. On one of his missionary journeys, he did a miracle, and the people in the town who didn't know anything about God, they came and started bowing down to uh, Paul and his traveling companion and wanted to offer sacrifices to them. And he went, get up, stop it, I'm just a guy. Did you know that same crowd? Someone came an hour later from a previous town and stirred up the crowd. That same crowd said, let's kill him. Isn't that the way people are? You're the greatest, you're the worst. That's never happened to you? How many have ever been turned on by people? They, they loved you one day, and then what happened? Paul says, no, I don't do that. I don't roll that way. I don't distort the word of God to make a buck or lift myself up or pride myself in some denomination or church name. I preach Jesus, and the way I do it, on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly. Preachers are supposed to just talk plain and present truth. Truth about Jesus. We commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, pray for pastors, pray for preachers, pray for me. That I don't get tricky, but I keep trying to talk plain by the grace of God and appeal to your conscience, not your emotions, not just your brain, not giving you just information, not appealing to your emotions. Come on on the organ. Come on. And the Lord said, or mama said before she died and you're all wiping away a tear, but it means nothing. It's gone in an hour. Appeal to your conscience so that the spirit and your conscience are bearing witness. This is the truth. What he's telling you is the truth. Now, listen to it. God loves you. Come on. Let's follow God. So how did he do it? Now, he says at the end of the chapter this. Therefore, we don't, the same word again. Therefore, we don't lose heart. We're not criminally negligent and quit. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Well, let's go a different way than I did it before. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed every day. So how did he do it? How could he every day say, with Jesus I can make it, with him I can stand, with Jesus I can take it. Always joyful, always, even in prison, he's singing at midnight. What kind of guy is this? He just got flogged. He's in prison with Silas, and they're singing. They're having praise and worship at midnight in a cell that smells from feces and has rodents all over, and he's praising God. Don't you want to be like that in your Christian walk? Come on, how many want to be stronger? Here's the secret. Outwardly, he says, he's revealing something very important. Outwardly, I'm wasting away. I'm getting older. I'm getting weaker. By the way, wouldn't you like to see his back? If he took 39 twice and other floggings, what did his body look like? Hardships, travels, whooped. His back probably looked like a map with all the scar tissue. So he's saying, outwardly, I get older. I can't take physically what I used to. Come on, we know what that is. Come on, aren't some of you feeling a little something in your knees? <laughs> it begins with A, R. I mean, know what I'm talking about. Come on, arthritis, older. You look in the mirror and you go, oh, I got snow in my hair. Is it snowing in here? 
No, 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 dude, that's a white hair. So Paul says, outwardly, like everyone else, I'm perishing. I'm getting older. But that's not what's really important. It's inwardly. The real you is the invisible person of the spirit. Your body, my body, it's all going bye-bye one day. The greatest health experts, weightlifters, guys who've lifted in the Olympics, the greatest runners, they get old, decrepit, die, and they become dust. But your inner person, that will never die. That's the real you. That determines your life, not the outward. Take care of your body. Don't take in gluten. Anybody Oreo cookie intolerant? (laughs) Come on. You, know, you are intolerant to that. You get sick. I don't get sick, unfortunately, from that. Red velvet is one of my weaknesses, so I'm very careful. I don't get near it. But this simple, cheap cookie called Vienna Fingers. How many know what Vienna Fingers are? No, lift your hands. Out-of-towners, out-of-the-country, they don't know what Vienna Fingers are. It's nothing. It's a cheap cookie, right? But I can't have it. I have to go on a drug program if someone brings it even near me. This is the truth. So I talk about that sometime in my daily devotions. If you want an eight-minute encouragement, go on the website, and, and we're going through Hebrews. It's really good truth for us. I mentioned that. My wife used to be Snickers. How many have a weakness for Snickers? Just say amen. We, we won't condemn you, but... You need help, too, like I do with Vienna fingers. So I can't be near them. My son would kid me and say, Dad, I'm coming to visit. I'm going to bring Vienna fingers. I said, don't you dare. And that's how bad it is. So I go to preach someplace recently, and I get there, and someone knew or had been listening to the devotions, and they have waiting for me on the table in my room a package this big of Vienna fingers. That's evil. Am I right? Is that not evil? No, I'm being honest with you. Is that evil? No, that's evil. And they covered up with, we love you, God bless you. But there they were. This is the truth now. I never talked, I don't think I talked about this. So they're there and I realize I cannot open that cellophane. No, 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 I can't. So it's there. So I go to bed And I'm laying in bed, and I hear a voice. (laughs) Did you know that cookies can talk to you? Am I right or wrong? No, come on, for real. How many have ever just felt like a craving for junk food? Come on. Those of you that are not lifting your hand, are you for real? Okay, listen, God bless you if you don't deal with that. But those suckers were calling for me. I'm in my bed, and this is the truth. God is listening to me. I got up, and I walked near the desk, and I just looked at him, and by the grace of God, I said, Satan, get thee behind me. I'm going back to my, going back to my bed. It's not pretty when you, get, you start to gorge. Different people have different things that they have a weakness for. My wife used to have chocolate-covered pretzels. I have no desire for that. We all have different things. One of my grandchildren has red Swedish fish. Anybody know what they are? Oh, they're addicted to that. So the apostle is saying the outward man is passing away. But notice, 
my inner person is not like my outer person. My outer person is getting weaker, but my inner person, listen, I'm going to close. Every day is made spanking brand new with strength from the Lord. That's why I can sing with Jesus, I can make it. With Jesus, I can take it. Because the battles of life are not fought by your biceps, triceps, and even your brain. They're fought by what you have inside from God. Now notice, please listen. You have an outer person, an inner person, every one of us. You have a spirit. You might pay no attention to it, but that's why you're, you're trapped in what you're trapped in. We commune with God not through our body or brain. We commune with God with our spirits. For the Father seeks those who will worship in and in truth. Communion with God is from your spirit. You have to open your spirit to commune with God. The Holy Spirit dwells in our spirits. He that is joined to the Lord, same letter, is one spirit with the Lord. If all you and I do is concentrate on our outer person and kale salads and pumping iron and exercising, that's good. It has its place. But you could be so strong and just a pushover for the devil because you're weak inside. Notice where the Bible says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. What's, where would that be? In your spirit. Be strong in the Lord in your spirit. Let him minister strength and power so that when the enemy comes, you're able to resist him, putting on the whole armor of God. The battle is your inner person, and some of you, I know, have not thought about your inner person for six months. All we're concentrating on is how we feel physically and calories and working out and don't eat this, don't drink that. And what we're taking into our minds is horrible and we don't even concentrate. Our spirits are never exercised. We don't even think about them. And Paul, listen to what he's saying. Outwardly, we're wasting away, yet inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. There's no thing God can do today that's going to make you strong for next week. You got to get up and let him strengthen you again. This, this is, I never knew, what do you think I knew this? When I was in college or even out of college or even early in my ministry, I, I didn't have comprehension of this. I read those verses, but I, I didn't, I had no insight into the truth of it. Every single day, starting with today, then tomorrow should we wake up. You have the ability, I have the, the opportunity to commune with God and open my heart. And then the Bible becomes not a written word in mi cabeza, in my head, but it becomes a living word in my heart. Thy word have I hid in my Heart that I might not sin against you. Not my head only. The Pharisees who plotted Jesus' crucifixion, they were filled with the Bible verses. But their spirits were evil. Darkness covered them on the inside. People who know verses and go to church can be some of the wickedest, racist, selfish, arrogant, horrible people. Wait, in the world. Why? Because... You can, how many people went to church today in America and never opened their heart to the Lord? But I must say, I want to commend you. I was over there, God knows. I was weeping as I heard you sing. Not all of you, I'm sure, but I looked over here. You, all, you were worshiping in spirit. Oh, my goodness. 
And I said to the Lord, he knows, I said, Lord, this congregation, I'm so blessed to be around them. Listen to how they're singing to you. But not just this, not emotionalism, but you had emotion. When your spirit is touched, emotion many times can follow, but you can skip your spirit and just go to emotionalism. Touching, you know, services can be emotionalism. And the pastor and the, and the organ, and the Lord said, Oh, no. Woo, yeah. I feel that. What's he saying? I don't know, but I sure feel it. Am I right or wrong? Absolutely. I grew up around that. Emotion for emotion's sake. I've been in some Spanish churches in DR in Puerto Rico. The minute they walk in that building, they start screaming. Wow, amen, amen, santo, santo, senor. They go like, am I right? Any of you know that world? Is there any growth? Are they communing with the Lord? No, it's tradition. Catholics bow down to Mary, and we go santo, santo. It, it can all be, or, work, or it can be an intellectual meeting where all you get is your brain filled with thoughts about God. Heart never opens to God. Paul says, every day what keeps me going is he renews my inner person. I get charged up with the same strength I had when I first got converted. Oh, that's impossible. That's why people backslide. What happens? They don't pay attention to their spirit. Don't tell me God wants them to backslide. God doesn't want them lukewarm. No. If you just keep your spirit away from the fire, you lose your temperature. Is this not true? Well, it doesn't matter if you say amen or agree with it or not. I know it's the truth because it's in God's word. So please now listen. I'm ending. Do this tomorrow if we're awake and we are alive. If it doesn't help you, come and tell me. If it does help you, just thank God that We're learning things together. Do you want to activate your spirit tomorrow and not just think about how you feel? What am I going to have for breakfast? I mean, really. So get your Bible and just get in a chair or whatever. But get alone. Get in a chair and read a passage, Psalms, whatever. No, I'll tell you what to read. Tomorrow, everyone, read Philippians 4. I'm just, think of that. Read it. Philippians 4. You got it? How many verses? Whatever you feel. But here's what I want you to do. Read it and then meditate on it. You know, when you have a tea, you're making tea, hot tea. I'm too much in a rush and I don't let the tea bag stay long enough in the hot water. My wife says, no, 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 let it steep. No, I'm changa. I just want to go dump, dump. There's the tea. It's not, it's not the same. Do you get what I'm talking about? So don't, you can't be in a rush. Being in a rush is the death of all spiritual growth. God takes time. So just meditate. Listen, meditate. Read it, and then sit absolutely still for five minutes. Don't say a word. Don't praise God unless you feel you have to. But just be still and let your spirit meditate and thank God for his love. Maybe start thinking about his goodness and patience. Think how many times you've messed up like me and he's been merciful. Just think about it. Let your heart open to God. Tell him you love him quietly. Begin to talk. I don't want to restrict you. But just exercise your spirit. Then begin to pray from your heart. Don't use King James language and don't get religious or Pentecostal about the whole thing or Baptist or anything. Just talk from your heart the way you would to your husband or wife, from your heart. 
And then if you feel like singing, it doesn't matter how good your voice is, just sing to the Lord from your heart. You will find your life totally changed tomorrow if you do that for five minutes. But that's hard for some of us. First thing most people do when they get up, especially Gen Z, the phone. Every email, every text. See, so mind, then the body, you wake up. Spirit, got no time for it. You don't need a comfort animal. You just need a a sense of his presence with you all day. That's what Paul must have had. Why? Because day by day, the Lord was renewing his spirit, not his body, his inward person. Peter calls it the inward man of the heart, the inward woman of the heart, the real you that no one knows but God. None of you know me. None of you know me like God knows me. Why? Because God knows my innermost heart. And you can't even express your heart to people sometimes. Am I correct? The things you feel, the the attacks, Satan, you, you can't put that in words. I'm struggling now to have words to explain to you how you have to engage, exercise, open your spirit to the Lord. Every day you have to, so then he'll be able to strengthen you, renew you. But if you don't pay attention to your inner person, what's going to happen? You'll be all outside heavy, thinking about the world and the thing and and social media and what's happening in politics and the war in the Middle East and this and look what's happening with China and Taiwan and this and that and I got to buy this for my cousin Albert for Christmas and and then the whole thing swallows you up. Come on, verdad or no verdad? True or not true? No, it overwhelms you. It overwhelms me. Paul says, no, I can always sing with Jesus. I can make it. Because the last passage, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. I wonder what percentage of Christians practice this. So we fix our eyes. What eyes? Not these eyes. These eyes can't see unseen things. The very definition of your eye, it has to be physical to be picked up. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God renews me every day, so I'm thinking about invisible things, souls, his love for me. No, I can't show that to anyone, but boy, is it real to my spirit that's just been activated and renewed by the Lord. His patience. You know why that prayer, not to blow smoke at you, brother, but true. You know why that prayer was so moving? That was not from his mind or his mouth. How many get what I'm talking about? Where, where do he pray from? His heart, his spirit. And immediately that, that grabbed all of us. It broke me. I said, God, thank you. I picked the right man to pray for the offering from his heart. Are you getting anything from this? If you're learning anything, just lift your hand and encourage me because this is hard like for me to describe. But is it absolutely true? Some of you just need a renovation of, we need a renovation every single day. But notice that. I leave you with that. Don't come saying, pray for me, Pastor Simba, and then I'll have it. I'll have my breakthrough. Have your breakthrough, but then every day have a new breakthrough. No, cada dia, mas y mas. No mañana, hoy, today. How could God renew my spirit tomorrow when I'm not sure I'm alive? How can he renew me yesterday when yesterday's gone, today? Come on, don't you want him to renew you, strengthen you? Let's close our eyes. Lord, help my feeble words to help somebody. 
That's all I ask. I don't want their applause. I don't want their money. I want them to go home closer to you. Help us not to be overwhelmed by the physical world, which is temporary, but help us to live with a renewed spirit day by day so that we can be looking at things that the people in the world, the culture, don't even know they exist. And we're enjoying them every day. Mm, my home in heaven. Can't see it, but I know it's waiting for me. We're not going by rote. We're not genuflecting. We're not kissing a statue. No, 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 no. We're worshiping you in spirit and in truth. Oh, I like what Martin Luther said. He said, come on, brothers. Let's sing from our hearts to the Lord and chase the devil away. Praise God. When you sing from your heart to the Lord, you chase the devil away. He cannot take being around people praising Jesus from their hearts. He says to his demonic host, we got to get out of here for a while. This is not a good environment for us. They're singing praises to the name that's above every other name. Jesus. If you're here and I want to be up in the front and telling God today, this sermon was for me. It's for all of us. Pastor Simbola needed it, but it was especially for me. But there's just one or two of you or whatever. Come to the front. Don't be ashamed. And say, Lord, give me a new walk with you where every day my spirit is renewed. Lord, your word says, don't be hearers of the word, mentally hearing it. But be doers. Let it get in your heart so you can do it. Obey it. Would you help us tomorrow, Lord? Give us five minutes in a chair. At least five. Quiet. Opening our hearts to you. Digesting your word. Meditating on it. Not rushing through verse after verse. But as we wait in quietness, you're going to speak to us. Refresh our spirits. Quicken our spirits. Show us the importance of the inner person over the outer person. Save us so that we can live for the invisible and not just the physical. I thank you for these beautiful people. Thank you for the choir being so strong today, Lord. Oh, what a blessing. What a blessing today, Lord. And for the security people and the ushers and the medical team. And now the Welcome Center for first-time visitors and the offering outside, bless the giving. Let it be done liberally. For those who are visiting from out of town, may they have the most blessed, holy, happy Christmas they've ever had. For we ask this all in Jesus' name. And everyone said, including the singers behind me, I want you to turn and wish five people Merry Christmas. Go ahead. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.